Hey everybody, this is TA. Welcome back. I am so excited to be bringing you bonus number two. So today I got Matthew to sit with me in the library because I realized as I've been listening back to some of my podcasts, man, I keep bringing up this experience of us living in Thailand. And I thought, you know what? Let's sit down. Let's talk about how it came to be, what that time in our life meant, things we learned, funny stories. And Matthew was kind enough to (laughs) do another bonus episode. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. Here's our bonus episode on Thailand. (laughs) You cough right as I start. (laughs) The worst. Just getting it out. (laughs) All right. Well, welcome back, Matthew Flatland. Hello. It's bonus time. I don't know why I'm the bonus. But you what? are the bonus. <laughs> this is bonus episode number two. So on the regular podcast, my friend Sarah, her podcast just dropped. And Sarah talked a lot about her international life and experiences. And a lot on that podcast, I alluded to our time in Thailand. So I thought it would be appropriate to have a bonus episode where maybe we just lay it all on the table, talk about our life in Thailand. Yeah, where do you want to start? Tell me, because the way I always tell it feels a little wrong, but we got engaged, and then you got the offer to go to Thailand? Uh, I would say March, April time frame, because we got married in May. Like, uh, they were kind of throwing it out there as that, this might be a possibility. We got engaged in December, so by March of the next, like three months later, you were starting to get ideas that this might happen? They were kind of looking for somebody to go over there, yeah. And there were other people that were not interested or interested? They had talked about a couple other people. Um, I think I was just the first, one of the first people they got able to get a hold of. So your way. company was, I don't know if you want to say the company name. Oh, well, Zinovix, and uh, they're no longer around. The company is no longer around. Sure. Um, but and they were... Um, you're a chemical engineer for this company. So what they were doing is they were moving, well, at the time it was very popular to move manufacturing to Asia. Usually it was specifically China, but um, obviously Southeast Asia was also in the mix. And there's already ties with the customer for Innovex to be in Lampoon, which is their customer for Innovex is Seagate, which is still a pretty big company. The closest big city to Lampoon is Chiang Mai. So you got kind of the offer or like had the idea. And I remember you calling me because we lived, most people don't know this. We lived four hours apart the entire time we knew each other until the day we got married. We always lived pretty far apart. So you'd called me and said something to the extent of like, what do you think about Thailand? Yeah. And we didn't, I'm trying to, it's been that long ago. I don't remember exactly how that conversation went other than to say just like, yeah, could be, and but the thing is, I knew I was able to to throw at the people like, hey, let's go over there and see it, and so we did that first. That was the key because it was we ended up being able to get a two week trip to be able to go there to see the facility, to see the town, see the culture, and then it was like no strings attached. Like we could decide yes or no at that point. So that was kind of fun because we knew then that was kind of like a. A trip that we would get to do. So we got married in May, and it was in August. July. July, July we yeah. went. Um, we flew out to Chiang Mai. Now, my recollection of that time period is a lot of time alone in the hotel. 
Because you went to work every well, day. So at the time, and we both have changed dramatically since then, but at you know, the time it was... It's just different, and, and I don't want to say scary necessarily, but you didn't know what to do with yourself. Right, and I wouldn't say I was ever scared. I, I had alluded to this in Sarah when I had talked to Sarah about this, that, I mean, it definitely wasn't anything like I expected. We didn't have access to Google the way we do now. Well, I was going to say, this is just as, I mean, internet cafes were a thing at the time, but you didn't, like, have a phone. Right, for sure. a smartphone. And I didn't think to go look at Google Street Map or, you know, like, I didn't I didn't kind of know what I was walking into, and we get picked up from the hotel, from the airport. We go to this amazingly swank hotel called the Don Tuan in downtown Chiang Mai. I remember that pool had like the infinity edge up on the seventh floor and you could see out the whole city. And they had the, those um, beautiful white flowers that were floating in the pool. And all Dog Tom. Yeah. They're just the most beautiful flowers in the whole world. But um, you had to work a majority of that time in the sense of you were going to see the facility. And I remember I signed up for a cooking class one day, but a lot of my time was spent at the hotel watching the Tour de France because that was the only <laughs> channel that was in English. <laughs> I mean, you had the BBC, you had Star. I mean, at the, so, now we know. <laughs> now we know, but there was nothing else. Like on a daily basis, Like I was, there wasn't much else for me to watch. So that's how I really got into And that was like Lance Armstrong's last... Like the seventh win or whatever. It was like the last year he was racing the tournament. So it was a big thing. And I remember being very like into it, which was really funny for me. Yeah. And I was just going to work, essentially. Yeah. There was a tour, there was a bus we all got on and we all went down to Lampoon. Yeah. Which later on, I just had a scooter and I just went wherever I right. wanted. Um, well, by the end of that two weeks, I think you and I both, I think even by like the third or fourth night, we were both like, yeah, we could do this. Like there was just a very quick connection of... This was, I know for me, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. And then by the second week in that trip, we were looking at apartments. Like we were looking at townhouses. Yeah. And, and that's where Varuni was helpful. Yeah. Um, and Varuni was somebody that already worked in Thailand, but for your company. Yeah. So she kind of helped us kind of get settled. Yeah. In retrospect, we probably would have lived over by Grace. Grace International. Maybe, yeah. That was a school that I ended up working for. But when we were going, we had no idea what I was even going to do. No, and do. actually the place we were living, I mean, it was expensive by most of all their standards. But by American standards, it was not all that expensive at all. Right. It was but it, the equivalent of like $500 a month, I think. Yeah. It was just amazing, though, by the end of that two weeks, we not only decided, yes, we're going to do this, but this is where we're going to live. Like, we had picked out the townhouse before we left. So we came back to the States, packed up, and by August moved. I remember we entered Thailand, I want to say it was September 1st. Okay. Uh, is that the Oct- August 31st or September 1st? I just remember that uh, is right at the end of that month. And uh, I'm sure we have the passport. We could pull it out and yeah. see exactly the stamp for date of entry. But yeah. I just remember it kind of being a whirlwind because the whole, I had moved from Grand Forks to Minnesota to get married. And then within that time period, within that couple months, quickly shifting into, okay, we're moving overseas. Because I didn't have a job at that point. I had left my job in Grand Forks to get married. I decided not to go back a second term at the university. And so then it was like, what am I going to do? And so that when we made the decision to go to Thailand, I started looking into, I probably need to get a job. And then the only thing I can do is speak English. So maybe I should get a job as a teacher teaching English or speaking English. So I got a TOEFL teaching English as a foreign language, right. which worked out really, really well for me, except that, that first two to three months when we first moved there, 
and I was in the process of finishing that slash trying to find a job, trying to find the connector pieces to get me a job. You were from day one going into work and I was staying back at home, being bored out of my mind and driving you crazy. <laughs> I mean, we did, we had totally different kind of experiences from that part. I mean, for you, it was a lot of like, you had to try to figure out what to do with yourself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you were trying to do the English, the foreign language thing. And then you also were looking at, I remember there's a company that contracts, like tries to find people jobs, apparently. When the fact is you could have just walked into a school and said, I will teach English and they would have paid you. Right. I just said, it's so foreign to be in a foreign country and to know how the logistics or. Well, the biggest thing is visa dependency. So the fact is, is. If that com- company or school or whichever had to help you with visa, that would have been a massive problem for them. But because you were on with me, we had a well, so Thailand is a bit restrictive, but we had a ninety day. Actually, it was it was even better than that. It was uh, you could you didn't have to leave the country. You just had to re- renew every ninety days because they get provided us with their work visa. If I remember correctly, <laughs> I think we ended up paying that company that found me the job. And in the end, I thought we felt like well, we I paid, a little bit. We paid them off because I. Yeah, so I was like, I think we didn't think. I it told them this: what the contract they had was, for not a better word, it was kind of stupid. Where they were try, they they required us to pay them while you had a job. It didn't make a lot of sense, so I we went up to them and said, okay, we're going to pay you this fee, and for which would amount to this amount of time. And it probably actually would want up washing on it, like because you weren't at Anubon for a super long time. Right. So this company found me a job at a Thai government school where the kids I I taught in a, a third and fourth grade class, and the way it worked was the kids had three classes with a Thai teacher and two classes, um, and two classes with me. So I taught math and science, and English. So I guess it was three classes, and then they had three classes with the teacher, and they had. Thai government, Thai language, and maybe something else. I can't remember. But there was like a me and a t- co-teacher that were in that classroom with those kids. And I was uh, one of two Caucasians, but I was the only native speaker. The other Caucasian there, he was uh, Italian, actually. And so English was his second language as well. But um, there were other people that came and went um, during my tenure there. But it was definitely an interesting experience to be kind of I don't want to say the authority because that sounds really pompous and I don't mean it that way but like people were very excited to have a native English speaker well you were the authority simply because you were fluent yes and I had no experience teaching I had no idea what I was doing I didn't have a teaching degree to save my life but I will say as a teacher then 15 years later man I cut my teeth on that like I learned so much and to not be able to speak the language and one of the biggest things that biggest takes takeaways for me as a teacher was so this sounds kind of harsh, but the Thai teacher would physically hit the kids like with a ruler or her hand or like, you know, like there was a little bit still of that old Catholic school physical, you're not doing that right, smack on the hand or whatever. Well, I wasn't comfortable with that. So I remember having to learn a lot of classroom management skills that were still just as effective without it being physically violent. Well, you'd leave that to her. Well, yes. Yeah. And she helped with that, but at the same time, it was like, but I still had to main control the class when she wasn't there and things like that. So a lot of times it's like, I would stop the class and make kids put their heads down and like re and refocus. And I knew a lot of them weren't as English fluent, so they weren't always understanding what I was saying and things like that too. And so there was a lot of 
yeah, it was a lot of free flow structure. It was definitely an interesting experience. I saw it as chaos. Yeah. You had me come visit like once or yeah, twice. Yeah. And I'm like, teaching is not the career for me. <laughs> it's very <laughs> obvious. Like, uh, it just, I walked in there. And besides the fact that it was, the kids are not speaking English, it just sounded like just absolute noise. Yeah. So loud. Yeah. And I will say it was almost a blessing to not have had a teaching degree because all that utopian college, here's what you should be doing and how it should look would never have worked in this environment. And so not having that exposure probably actually helped me to not have expectations of this is all wrong and not doing, you know, and I just kind of went with it. And I got a lot of positive feedback right away. Like I had a very positive um, experience in that. And, you know, like... Um, one of the weird things that happened was then the the minister of education for the country of Thailand had came and watched one of my lessons, and then I was on the TV news. Well, it wasn't all, that like, she came that and it wasn't that she came and watched your lessons. Is that they set up a classroom in front of almost like it was an audience, mm-hmm. and then you had to teach in front of an. It wasn't in your classroom. It was literally yeah. they set up like yep. you up on stage, and I almost forgot about this. And had you teach and in front of people, and they come in and just watch you teaching in English. Yeah, it was a very interesting because it's it very performative. Yeah, well, Ottoman was one of the first government schools that was really digging into um, becoming this multi-language class. Now they're big into STEM and things like that. So it's cool to see that that school still thriving and and doing really well. Um, but after that first year, we were there um, just professionally. We had found um, a missionary school and it was called Grace International and I don't know why when I said this before on a different podcast that I felt really dumb that I had never thought about like if you're a missionary with kids like what would you do with your kids well they have these actual missionary schools where your kids can go to school it's an American credited universe or school system and I had been trolling on their not trolling but you know searching on their website and whatever and saw that they had some job openings and so I had went and applied, and I guess the question I would have for that is, how weird was it for them to almost like have you walk in and be like, "I'm here"? Yeah, probably. Because well, usually their applicants are like in the U.S. or Australia, or wherever. Yeah, and I, the job that I took was super weird because what it was was the principal of the school was going home on a long-term leave to do their missionary work, like at home to do the fundraising, fundraising or whatever. And so another teacher was stepping into the principal's role. And so they needed somebody to cover like sixth grade math and music during that time period. So it was like, I was kind of basically as a long-term sub is the way it would kind of look like now. But I didn't know that at the time. It was more like, I'll do anything. And I remember teaching sixth grade math and being like, I am one page ahead of you guys. Don't (laughs) learn too fast because I don't know what's coming tomorrow. And don't ask me that question because I don't know the... But then at the same time, that was the beauty of it. And these kids were just awesome and... I. The, the people that we met at Grace and the friendships that we have to this day are just, that was a phenomenal piece of our experience that we unexpectedly had. Yeah, I, I go back to Anaman, though. The thing that people need to understand about Thai people is almost all of them have a nickname. Yep, yep. And so all the kids have nicknames. <laughs> so the hilarious, most hilarious story is the fact that you had Coke yeah. and Ice. Yeah. And you set them together with P. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I had to. Um, I think more funny, though, too, is I had Ung and Un and An. All, like, those three kids, they were that sit right next to each other, too, because I couldn't keep them right. apart. So as long as I looked in their direction and said their name. It's, it's pretty unique to call a Thai person by their actual full name. Full though. name, yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, I know that a lot of people I worked with are the same way. I, although I did call some of them, several of them by their full name just because they seem to go by both. Yeah. Or maybe only Thai people really, you know, the Ung Ang Nung. Some of those names are hard to say for English speakers, so they just, just resort to their full name. So yeah, and but overall, those kids were so loving and kind, and I think that's true of all elementary kids. It's a totally different experience than middle school or high school kids. But I I really enjoyed both working at Audubon and at Grace. It really I was really lucky to fall into both of those places in a country where we kind of didn't know. So you, we should probably switch topics and talk about the flood. Oh, the flood. Because before we moved there, we had, because we already touched on this, we, yeah. Rooney kind of helped us find a place. Yeah. And before we moved in, it flooded that whole, whole town yeah. or most of the town, including the house that we were about to move into. Right. So there was actually several inches of, of water that had gotten to the house before we got there, but it was cleaned up by the time we showed up. Yes. And then we came through and another flood came through. It was just the Ping River overflowed. And it came right up to our doorstep. Fortunately, it did not it actually come, come into the house. house. So we had pictures of us running around outside and, and uh, just... And you had the trash bag going well, up I had, I had I had surgery on my foot. <laughs> so we were worried with the tropical tropics. Well, you don't know what's in the floodwaters. Exactly. So I tried to cover it up and it looked ridiculous. Well, that's what the pictures I remember is us in shorts and tank tops and you with this big trash bag going up halfway up. You're like almost like a, you had a cast on. And, and it didn't work. Protect, no, it, it didn't did not work. At all. But, but I also did not lose my foot. No, you're fine. You didn't get any <laughs> infection or anything like that. Which overall, we were very lucky. We didn't ever got really sick when we were overseas at all. We didn't have any big troubles. We medically. always talk about the only reason we got sick is because we tried international food. Yeah. <laughs> and typically it was Indian because it's just undercooked. Oh, but it was also so delicious. Like but we kept good. going back there. Yeah, we did because <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> I would say, I and I know I mentioned this before on a different podcast, it's so hard to remember... The bad things, it's always the good things you remember. And food is one of the biggest things And we could talk about. We When we talk about going back, we always talk about which restaurants we would go to and what food we would eat. What is it you would look forward to the most? Green Zone. If it's, I know it's not called Green Zone. I went on Google Maps and I know that there's still a restaurant there. Mm-hmm. Um, Green Zone was the small restaurant that was in our neighborhood that kind of fed our neighborhood. Yeah, and actually I even put that above Pallad, which I know that was up on the mountain. Yeah, Pallad was this beautiful like... In America, Sanders like a four or five star high quality chef, and they have fantastic yeah, food up there. Waterfalls. But the the hike to get up there wasn't necessarily worth the it. Drive to get up there when you could bit. just go around the corner, and even some of the markets, you know, like just a bag of rice and some mm-hmm. penang, and I mean, there's all these dishes that you can get that were fantastic. Strawberries with chili. You know, I never really like cared for that. It's not really my thing. You like the corn with the cream. <laughs> the corn and the tapioca. <laughs> There's some things that weren't as yeah. It's pretty fun, funny. Yeah. Some of the things, but like kapamu or munanduk, um, some of those were fantastic, yeah. and you just don't get them here. No, you, you can get some close variations on them, and those are fine. But uh, it's pretty rare. I remember. So when I worked for the school, like we would do field trips where we would take the kids to like a local. Um, temple or we went to another place down in the cities but I remember like they would always pack school lunches for the kids or whatever and one of the big things they would always have is a sticky rice and the sticky rice when people think of sticky rice they get like a bowl of sticky rice this was like a sticky rice that was literally in the shape of like a hamburger patty it's like a ball yeah no it was like a flat 
pancakey kind of thing. Yeah, but oh, it's rounded, so yeah. good because it was always a little sweeter when it was a sticky rice than just plain rice. I love that. No, it's. Uh, I mean, that's a good somtom type variety dish, mm-hmm. like the took I mentioned. But yeah. Um, yeah, and we did a whole bunch of crazy stuff. We went to all the different markets, and actually, we didn't even realize how many different types of markets we were that were there until we were like close to not close to leaving. But no, I feel like we missed out on a ton of stuff because we didn't find out about no. like the jade market until we're a year and a half into yeah, it. Yeah. You know, with the jade market, there's a massive jewelry store. There's. Uh, just obviously the night market, yeah. but basically any variety of thing. It's interesting. There's just these different areas of town that you would go to to find that one particular yeah. thing. Well, it's that again. When you live somewhere, you're not necessarily a tourist of where you are. And we had a tendency to be living our life and rather than doing some of the touristy stuff. We did do that bike tour where we went from the top of the mountain down. We stepped to that cool. Basically, they shop. take you. They take you up with a bike. To the top of a mountain, and they say, "Good luck, get down. Go down, to, go downhill." Yeah. But remember, we stopped at that coffee like plantation, or co- what do they call that? Like on the yeah. side of the mountain, though, because like all yeah, it's coffee. coffee plantation. Yeah. yeah, that was super cool. My only complaint about the bike thing was it was I think three guys and me and one other girl, and her and I were slow enough that you guys would ride ahead of us, and then you would stop and wait for us. And but then we got get to you guys, you'd be like, "All right, let's go," and we're like, "Hold on, we didn't get a break because we were so slow getting." Well, it was virtually to you. all downhill. I know, but it was still hard. <laughs> and uh, actually, Amber and John came out later, and the three of us hiked up the mountain and yeah. then biked down, and that was also pretty fun. Yeah, and John and Amber, your Amber's your sister, and John's yeah. our brother-in-law. Yeah, it was cool that we had so many family that we were able to come out because like, your parents came out. Your sister Rebecca came with some of her friends. My parents and my sister came out. We had some college friends come out, which is right. kind of cool because there was a lot to do and. Um, we did do some of the stuff that in hindsight, I'm not sure it was the best ideas, but like, you know, the elephant camps, the snake farm was released. The, the, the monkey, monkey farm. farm. Yeah. Oh, that was not good. It was weird. But the, I loved going to the orchid farm and, um, the butterfly farm, the butterfly farm. They was were gorgeous. right together. Do you remember the big, um, jewelry stores and the umbrella factories? Yeah. They're, that's what I was mentioning. The jewelry yeah. store. The jewelry store with the big shark tank right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Not a massive shark, but a good two to three feet long. Yeah, enough Just to make you want to buy some diamonds. And, yeah. <laughs> it's classy. Classy. <laughs> we bought some stuff. That was nice. No, and then we did some trips around the area. I mean, really local to Chiang Mai. To San Kampang, which where we boiled the eggs in the water. Yeah, and I then we did that. a wedding in Fong. I think that was like on New Year's we went and did that. It was, yeah. yeah. Um, Just because we didn't know what else to do. You know, this is the thing, about, too, about the holidays that we have in the United States. They don't do that. No. They do New Year's, mm-hmm. but like Christmas is not a thing, obviously. So it's just interesting how, you know, you're stuck on these days. You're like, well, this is a holiday, but we're the only ones celebrating. Yeah. One of the biggest memories I have is when we went down to Southern Thailand, we would take the train to Bangkok and then go down, like when we went to Hua Hin and Krabi. But I don't remember which trip it was, but do you remember we got to Bangkok and before we got there, there had been bombings in the train station. That was new, that was the next New Year's Eve, actually. Yeah. So we were going to Wahin and yeah, we're in the train on the way down there and then there was a bombing in the... Was it actually in... It was just in Bangkok, though. It wasn't at the train station. I think it was at the train station. I could totally wrong on that. But I just remember feeling it was closer to us than I thought it was. It had to do with some Southern separatists. There's The whole time we were there, there was violence in the far south. There was a lot of stuff going on. This is the one thing personally that i really liked about living in a foreign country there was a ignorance 
that I chose to have about what was going on in the government and going on politically, which is probably not the wisest choice, but I loved that I didn't seem to care as much and didn't let things seep into my need. But then, you know, we woke up one morning and there's tanks in the street and you kind of kind of know Well, we, <laughs> what happened is, I just remember we were out the night before and uh, what happened is, is we were with some friends playing, I remember was, we were playing Perudo and we got up the next morning and I went to check my work email and this guy, Garrick Shirts actually sent me a note saying, hey, are you guys okay? Oh. And I'm like, What? Like, like I didn't reply to him. I just went on the news and CNN is like, oh, there's a coup in Thailand. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go to work. Well, because my <laughs> school got canceled that day, obviously. But it was safe enough that people in our neighborhood and stuff were saying it's it's okay to go out or whatever. Because then Chris and I, who was a friend of ours, um, she was she's from the Philippines and she worked with me at the government school. Her and I were out on our scooters and we went out to lunch and then we saw all... The guys, I, we have pictures of us with some of these military guys with guns. And yeah, you guys were like, tanks. hey, selfie. Yeah, it, it was a weird, like, but people felt very safe and it wasn't scary. Well, I mean, most of the conflict was Bangkok. It wasn't really outlying very far. Right. I mean, so there was, they had put the military out there just to kind of a show of force. Right. And one thing that people didn't know about Thailand is there's a bit of tension between the military and the police. Because either of those two groups can take over the government, it's it's actually kind of strange, because so obviously it's a it, it's kind of a democratic government, right? But it's like if either of those two groups don't like it, well, good luck, right? Well, and that was a learning curve for us with how people are in reverence of the king. Like, I remember you and I going to the movie theater for the first time before you go to, when you get to the movies, which there's like amazing movie theaters and popcorn and all that stuff. But when you get into the movie theater, there's, um, they play the song of the King and it's, everybody stands up, everybody sings the song to the King and then you can start the movie. And there was all these pieces of, we had to learn like when you have money, you cannot put anything on top of the money. Like, you know, when you're at a restaurant and you're tipping somebody, you kind of maybe slide it a little bit underneath the plate or underneath the napkin or whatever. So it just wasn't sitting out. With the that's, king's faces on it. Yeah. That's super disrespectful because it's, you're covering the king. And that was another thing too of I'm a short person, so I, I lucked out in this, but you're never supposed to be taller than somebody who's of more power than you. And so you'll see people that are like the students would come up to me on their knees if I was sitting down because they can't stand over me because that has a difference, just discrepancy of power of whatever. And so there was a lot of those little cultural things that we had to learn and that played out in weird ways. But yeah. And as, as Americans, we tend to think of that as being like horrible that they would act that way. But the fact is that's their culture. That's their culture. And, I can I can still I still think it's reasonable to argue like that that shouldn't be a thing, particularly because that king that was there like he was revered and fantastic guy, and then the guy who replaced him, his son, uh, not so much Ooh, yeah. kind of kind of creepy. A lot actually. of people have a lot of opinions on him, but okay, if it's my if I'm gonna say this right now, I'm really sorry if I get this wrong. The king of Thailand that was there when we were there, um, can you say his name? No, nobody can. Well, his name is super, super long. Right. That king was the longest reigning monarch. I think in their history. Except for Elizabeth II, who's currently the Queen of England right now. Well, yeah. Didn't he beat Victoria? Yes, he beat Victoria, but Elizabeth II. He was was older than Elizabeth II, but then, of course, he passed away a few years ago. Right, and now she's now beat him, I think. If I'm correct. I'm I'm guessing you're right, actually. 
Yes, but I know that they were neck and neck into who has been the longest. Because they both took the throne approximately the same time, I think. I mean, we'd have to look it up. But Yes, but interesting that that's been how long. And then he's credited for making rain. All this stuff. <laughs> I did have that discussion with my coworker. Uh, he said, yeah, he makes rain. I'm like, mm, that's, yeah, but that didn't come from him only. Like, I'm sure maybe he integrated it into the country and that was a thing. But yeah, he's not, he's not the guy. He didn't really, and the person didn't really appreciate me saying that. Yeah, but like, the same, don't say anything. But at the same time, I, I kind of did let it go. I didn't try to hassle him. I was just kind of like, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> what were some of the culture shocks for you being overseas or in this new environment? I wasn't, the, the, the biggest thing, I think people, when they move to a country, they don't know the language. But let's say you want to get a house. Mm. Then you have to figure out how to pay utilities. You have to figure out how to maintain a living space. But then they always do it in their original language. So it's like trying to pay the bills. Like that's a pain. Yeah. And obviously you have some, t- you can have some people help you with that, but it doesn't mean it's going to go all that well. I remember you needing to get the car oil change. And you don't just drive along and see a Valvoline or a, you know. Well, you do, but you don't. Lube. You can't just. It's very hard to walk in and just be like, "Oh, I need an oil change." Well, they're no not even signage is totally different. Like they're not the same companies even. So you're like, you got to find it first. And we didn't. This is before smartphones. I always have to remind people. It's not like you could pull out your your English to tie mm-hmm. Google Translate and just speak into it, and it'll tell. Because I can't tell you how much easier that would have been. Yeah. Well, I think the best decision we ever made was when we got the scooter. So we had we bought the car, which you can give or take was a good choice. It was but a horrible car. It was a horrible car, but the car was nice for when we had groups and things like that, like when we, when we had your parents or whatever. Yeah. But the scooter was the best for me to drive around town and things like that, like just to be able, like once we were comfortable with traffic, which to this day I think isn't crazy that we did all of that and we just jump on a scooter. But we rented the scooter so we could, if there was any problems, we could take it back. To the rental place. And we had right. like a three-month rental on it or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember if it paid. I think it paid by the month. Yeah. But then they have to keep your passport too, which is that that could be a problem. I think that was our biggest concern. Because then we had to get it every once in a while. Yeah, we would go back. But it was so nice to feel like it could just we could just drive back there. Yeah. And I really liked... I felt more freedom on the scooter than anything. Well, you, traffic is a thing and you learn to navigate it. I know when we went to India... People were like, yeah, you wouldn't be able to drive here, would you? I'm like, well, no, I could drive. It's definitely more chaos, Yeah. but you you get used to it, and you, you just kind of figure it out. And I know by the time we left Chiang Mai, there's one point one day we were driving, and I was taking all these roads, and I think you were like, do you know where you're at? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pop out right here. And <laughs> sure enough, we pop out, and that's just it's a matter of familiarity. So it's not just about you know learning the map, but it's also like learning just talking to how people drive. Yeah. And obviously... If you're scared in that situation, you're not going to do very well. So you have to be patient, but then assertive mm-hmm. and just be able to go with it. I think that was maybe the best attitude that we both had. In order to live in a foreign country, I think the whole go with the flow mentality is key because nothing ever goes right. Nothing's ever easy. And you just have to kind of go, okay, what's the next thing we can do? Yeah. Don't, if you go into it with a mindset of like, this is going to how, this is going to be how it is you're going to run into some problems um, eventually. Right. And, but if, if you, you can still have a set idea for what you want to do, mm-hmm. but maybe you just don't necessarily know how it's going to go to get there. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate that about 
you in that I felt secure in what we were doing and where we were, but I never felt like it had to be a certain way. Like, okay, we can do that. And if I, like when I looked at changing jobs, it was like, okay, yeah, go ahead, do that. Or like, let's do this instead, or let's try this. Or those, that time in our life was very free. And maybe it's because we were in our mid twenties, late twenties, and we didn't have kids yet. And it was just easy to do that. But I think some people are very structured and, would have struggled a bit more. Yeah, we're very free. I mean, we were moving to a different country, and the fact we is, adopted you, a dog, even. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't know what we were going to do. So, no. I mean, that's part of the being free is also not just having any expectation, and then it works out. Is there any core memory or big thing that sticks out, like the your favorite thing about being overseas, or that we did? Or... The climate. <laughs> I mean, we're doing this right now, and this morning it was below zero. Ugh. And it's been a bit of a rougher weather winter in terms of temperature this winter. So, I mean, we had two years where, the, like, the winters would get down to, like, the 50s or something to that degree, you know. And I remember we went to Palad that one time, and it was, like, New Year's Eve. And we were cold because it was nighttime, and it was, like, in the 60s or something yeah. like that. It's like, oh, I should, we should put on a jacket. Yeah, but I remember going to the mall in the middle of the day to go watch a movie or just walk around because it was free air conditioning. That was, that's the alternative is in April when it's 102 every day, yeah. like literally every day, and it's not raining. Yeah. And there, and also the air quality is yeah, horrible, horrible in March. Yep. And yeah, that's the alternative. Um, but of course, once the rain comes, it helps a ton with that. But then, of course, it comes the humidity and you find up. One day, you're st- I remember on our two-week two trip when we went to f- go find the place, we were in the mall. I just remember standing under a vent in the mall, being like, this is where the AC is coming out, and I'm just going to stand here. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> it, you do get used to it. I yeah, mean, that's, that's, you do. And I, I prefer getting used to the heat as opposed to getting used to the cold that we're in right now. That's true. I remember um, being at the mall. And we were in a store where they were selling, like, the ants and critters that you could eat. Like, the, it, it was like, it reminded me of um, an old school candy store where you'd get the bag and you'd scoop out all the gumdrops or mm-hmm. whatever you wanted, the sour candies into a bag. It was like that, but it was grasshoppers and ants and whatever, yeah. whatever. And then across the way is KFC. <laughs> you can get KFC <laughs> and you can get it delivered. Which is or, way back before Grubhub, you could get it delivered to our house. Yeah, you could get Swanson's. Yes. Which is a, apparently is America's most, most favorite ice cream. Which we never heard of. We had never heard I'd of never it heard of before since. we had gone to Chiang Mai, but it says it's America's favorite. So. It was delightful and we enjoyed it very much. It's like, on, it's like on Elf, when Elf comes into the store, he's like, says world best coffee. He's like, congratulations. That's kind of how I feel about Swanson's. Yeah. Well, I think we really enjoyed a lot of pieces of of Thailand besides the food which I mean we loved the food and we loved all the international food because we had a lot of international food choices but the cheap massages and the like remember the foot this is the one I always tell people my favorite thing we go out to the night market like six seven o'clock at night and you walk around and then they have these big lazy boys sitting on the side of the road and you just sit down and for like 50 cents or a dollar they bring out their huge tub of mayonnaise or Crisco or whatever lard. it was, lard, and they rub your feet, and it's the best thing. 
thing in the world that you're like, I paid two bucks for this and I'd do it every day if I could. Knock, knock, which is harder, harder. Yeah. Or bow, bow. Bow, bow, soft, bow, soft. bow, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, just like the amazing, all of that. Like I got facials, I got my hair done, I got massage, like that self-care stuff was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it gets boring. You, you've talked about this before, though, is it does get boring after a while. Yeah. So you do have to have your thing. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing that we do now is that we have our kids. So that's, it would have been a whole different story if we had our kids with this. And so For sure. I'm not even sure how that would have looked. Yeah. But I do remember, so I had went to a place enough where I'd get my hair done. And they would do, like, for a dollar or two dollars, they would wash my hair and straighten my hair. And things. that's when I had a little bit longer hair. And it was super cheap to get, like, a blowout is basically what it came down to. That Thai lady had gotten to know me so well that when I got into my scooter accident... Um, this was a couple months before we left Thailand. I'd gotten into a bad scooter accident where a guy had cut me off and I flew off my, my scooter. I jammed my jaw, scraped, you know, my face. I burnt my leg, things like that. I had pulled over like, and then, so I somehow got my scooter to the side of the road and I was trying to get a hold of Matthew and she saw me and she stopped and she like made sure I was okay. And like, she waited there until you got there. It was like, it was amazing that that's how people were in, in that big of a city that she would have right. saw me and, and stopped and. So I'm trying to remember, I, I drove the car to you. Yeah. And then did you drive the car back? No. Well, then how maybe, do, how maybe. Do, you maybe think I you did because we had the scooter there too. So I, I know I, I, there's no way you drove the scooter back. I just, and I know I tell the story all the time, but it's my. Because <laughs> the scooter had a tiny bit of damage. It actually wasn't that bad. It wasn't bad. But I remember I called you. And I was crying. And I was just like, I, I got into an accident. And you go, I'm on my way. Click. I call you back. I'm like. You don't know where I am. <laughs> like, you were I, just on your way. <laughs> well, the thing is, I knew the route. I know. So I was like, I was just counting I on you being on that route. Because <laughs> in my head, I'm like, I don't know where I am. <laughs> like, it was just amazing. Like, you hung up on me and you were off. And I'm like, on the side of the road crying. Like, I, don't know I can where. still remember the way to get there. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was by far the scariest thing on the scooter. Was Those that. are some of the best nights, though, is we would get on a scooter, you and me, on the same scooter, and we'd just mm-hmm. kind of go wherever. And I remember we'd go to Garcia's, yeah. um, south of the city, and there's just these. It was nice, cool breeze because it's dusk, mm-hmm. and setting in. It's just it was so nice out there, and it, you know, almost any time of the year, those drives were really nice. Yeah, yeah. That there are so many things we would take advantage of now to being older and things like that, like going to the markets at night and things like that. Like I understand why they have night markets. It's too hot in the middle of the day to have all those people crowded into a space. It makes way more sense to do it at night, and yeah. it's just and it's such a fun feeling and communal living. It was nice. And I remember our German neighbors. <laughs> yeah, uh, we did kind of lived in an expat yeah. community. Yeah, um, it was strange. They I didn't like living right next to the guard shack because even at night, all of a sudden there'd be a tuk tuk come storming in. And then the guy's like, kapom, like all the time, just, it's yeah. just like, hello, yeah. um, except for the military. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting community there. Uh, actually, a very large expat community in Chiang Mai. And you always see it in terms of one of the top 10 places in the world to retire yeah. just because there is such a large community there. We would we consider it all the time, moving back or thinking about what that could mean in our future or wherever. So one interesting story people might be, interested to hear about it so when i worked there i worked right next to a guy his name was settled with mm-hmm. 
and he goes by Bay, which is his, his Thai name, Thai nickname rather. And then, of course, he came back here to the states, and I worked for Simbed, and I worked for Minco, and then I got hired on at Visionies. Well, come to find out, people were talking about this guy named Bay. I'm like, I, you know, I worked with a guy in Thailand. His name, his nickname was Bay. And then I went out, out on the Visionies mail server. Oh. Yeah, it's the same guy. <laughs> Full name. His name's Bay. So I told people there, and then he was supposed to supposedly left, and then came back. So I haven't had a chance to email him again and oh, be like, "Hey, I heard you back." Because now <laughs> Visionies is Hoya. Yep, yep. And of course, I used to that industrial area is very big, and I swear I drove by a Hoya plant the whole time that we lived there. Oh, it's But now it's amazing how that world kind of comes back around and closes the circle on that. Yeah. We still have a lot of friends. We have a couple friends that still live in, in Chiang Mai, and then a lot of our friends who were missionaries at the time that have come back to the States. And there's a lot of people that we're interested in talking with. They're just We've appreciated being able to keep up relationships with. And so I'm sure we'll circle back around to this at some point on the podcast. But it was nice to kind of reminisce about why we went and how it was that we were there. So thank you, May. Yeah. Appreciate you. Doing another bonus any last parting thoughts? Well, I mean, you could talk about Australia and New Zealand and stuff, too. But. Oh, yeah, we got to do that. That was fun. Those were cool trips. But. Yeah, we came back because, you know, kids and Innovex was not doing well. So yeah, Well, life was moving on, and we had to decide to kind of jump back into it. It feels like a little bit of like a dream or a time in life of like, okay, that was a nice little vacation, but we had to get back to real life. Enough was happening that we were missing out on, like, yeah. weddings and babies and we wanted to start our family too, and not that we couldn't have done that over there, but it felt right to come back. Yeah, I mean, you want to be around family, and actually, it's been it was really important that we did come back. Yeah. For various reasons, so. And life's been good in Minnesota, so except for the cold. Sorry, dear. Yeah. What can you say? <laughs> well, dream of Thailand tonight, I guess. All right. Well, thanks again for coming for bonus number two. Okay. All right. Well, back by popular demand. I appreciate Matthew coming in for bonus number two. The first one was such a hit. Hope you guys enjoyed hearing some of our stories of how Thailand came to be. Hope you enjoyed hearing our dog in the background. He wouldn't leave us alone while we were recording tonight. But overall, it was kind of fun to relive some of those memories. A regular episode will be out next week. Remember, you can always catch it on Apple's podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Podcast. And as always, I just appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>